Hello and welcome to the Digital Assessment Podcast. I'm Susanna, your host, a former teacher and digital content lead here at Inspira. In the past few episodes, we've been talking about how assessment has been evolving over the past few years. First up, we talked with Bjorn, the CEO at Inspira, about just how far digital assessment has come and how far it still has to go. Then we talked with Ishan, who's the general manager at Inspira UK, and also used to work in institutions in the UK to implement digital assessment. He talked about how you can make assessment processes really sustainable for the long term through and beyond the pandemic. Today, we have Matthew and Simon, who are digital assessment consultants here in Inspira, and they will be talking about the benefits and maybe a couple of the bumps of digital assessment for now and for the long term as well. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome you both. Hello and thank you for being here. And Simon, why don't you go first? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Inspira? Right. So my name is Simon. I'm a digital assessment consultant at Inspira. Um, I have a history of working with, uh, I guess, online education, both at a university as well as a bit um, at a college as well. And in Inspira, my job really is just to show people how the platform works and just kind of help them understand how they can implement it within their institution. Great. Good to have you with us today, Simon. Uh, welcome. And I'm looking forward to hearing some of your experience. And now we've got Matthew. Um, Matthew, if you wouldn't mind doing the same, just telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Inspira. Yep, absolutely. Hi, everyone. Um, so I'm Matthew, and I've been working with Inspira for almost three years now um, with our customers around the world, although focusing on English-speaking markets like the UK and Australia and New Zealand. And I'm also an e-assessment consultant and helping with that process for customers, becoming customers with Inspira, um, and whether that's a week or a year, um, helping to understand the needs of different schools and universities, um, trying to figure out what they're hoping to achieve from implementing an e-assessment tool and helping show them uh, some of the benefits of implementing both short-term and long-term. Great. Thank you for introducing yourself, Matthew, and it's great to have you here too. So I suppose today we're talking more about the long term. And as we all know, the assessment and well, the education landscape has changed so much in, in the past few years, and especially the past year, with everything being kind of forced in a lot of places to quickly go online or partially go online or hybrid models that have been changing all the time. And both of you, you've worked with a lot of institutions who, who've been going through this process. And I was wondering if you can tell us about any trends or patterns that you see with institutions at the moment. One thing that the pandemic has done is it's really forced people to move things online. And time has always been the issue because if you're trying to, if, if you're used to doing a lot of face-to-face -face stuff or having, you know, pen and paper things, to actually move that to the digital sphere does take time, something that most academics and administrative staff within universities and educational institutions don't have a lot of. So what the pandemic did is it kind of gave them no choice. It has forced that to happen, which means making, I think for a lot of people, decisions that they were thinking, oh, we'll get to that in a couple of years. And we're finding that, that even just speaking to other institutions now that they're being 
quite quite pragmatic and re- and realistic with their ex- expectations because they've already struggled from the moment that the lockdowns in their respective countries started so now they know pretty much what they need instead of that kind of wish list of wouldn't it be amazing it's more now a case of please we just want to get this working okay so the pandemic in some ways has sort of catapulted institutions into the future and made them think about these plans that maybe they thought were further off but now are more pressing but at the same time it's forced them to be more realistic about what's possible considering limited time and resources yeah and and i think not to suggest that anybody would ever be you know a, a kind of a luddite or a stick in the mud but because there has been no option to delay it has helped break that down as well so if someone says oh yes but you know it's not as good as it's like well we we can't do that it has to go online so that's helped speed things up absolutely i agree and it's kind of it's changed the the perception perhaps brought things into the limelight a little bit um, whereas before the process might have been a, a small pilot with a, a small department in a, a university for example who were then trying to show the success of that pilot and take it to more sort of senior management within the university um, it's, it's, it's flipped slightly and there's more sort of uh, impetus from above a sort of central decision um, and realization that these systems are needed and that really helps push the conversation forward and bring in more stakeholders from across schools or universities in a way that perhaps took more time in the past. So yeah, definitely brought things to the forefront. Okay, so I think that's interesting and that seems very positive too, that more stakeholders have been involved and more people have had a say in in choosing the tools that they're really going to be using going forwards. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point Simon made as well about the the sort of the realistic ambitions and the the focus on sort of practical tools that are needed. Um, and again, sort of long term, it's great to have all sorts of plans to integrate fully into your wider landscape and to bring in analytics and reports. But you have to start somewhere. You have to start with the basics. And I think the pandemic especially has allowed people to to focus on getting the basics right laying that foundation so that everything can grow in the future going forward but now we're starting to see a lot of those foundations laid over the past 18 months which i think will allow for a really great growth going forwards absolutely and um you know as they say rome wasn't built in a day and so we can't expect to have everything straight away um but I suppose getting more into the meat of this episode now, in the long term, what are some of the benefits? So after you've had your assessment set up for a little while, um, what do you see as some of the major benefits that that can come of, of having implemented digital assessments successfully? And I know this is a very broad question, so... Um, perhaps we can start with some of the different types of assessments that might be available to you once you've uh, taken your assessment online. I think one thing, not just with assessment, but I think moving any kind of education online, I'm thinking, you know, where most universities and institutions do use um, virtual learning environments now, is that you need to get in the headspace that the entire toolkit is available for you 
is different. And it's the same with assessments. So my, my background has been working within VLEs. And it's interesting where sometimes with certain departments or whatever, is that when you start going, hey, we can put everything online, their, their knee-jerk reaction is just to turn everything that was paper-based into PDFs, upload it, and put it online. And you're like, you're not using the medium. And I think that's the big thing with e-assessment is that traditionally... If you think of it, you would have things like exams where you have a question and then you just have to write a long form answer or a multiple choice question where obviously it is then stuck on the page because you, you can't cut out the different alternatives and move them around. So by moving things digital, suddenly you're opening up so many opportunities, but people do need to come along with that journey too and get out of those restrictions that previously they'd kind of thought of. It's a small hurdle, but people just need to get used to the idea of, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's not going to be a one-to-one -one conversion of going, you know, face-to-face uh, -face physical testing to online because there's so many more opportunities. An example I'll give is with, uh, with like a multiple choice question where, you know, there would be a question and you might have A, B, C and D. It's funny where sometimes I've had to recreate that. And you find yourself then having to put in the response, like A equals this, B equals this as the responses. And it's like, well, no, no, you can get rid of A, B, and C and D now because it can be randomized automatically within the system. And when it's marking, because it's automatically marked, you don't need some sheet elsewhere to go, okay, the order is A, D, C, B of what's correct. But it's interesting that sometimes people don't, haven't realized that yet when they're asking for these assessments to be created, they're still stuck in the old ways. I don't know if I've answered the question. Uh, yes, I think so. Thank you. And so, yeah, you don't have to have be limited to what's just possible on pen and paper there. Your options really open up when you take things online. And I know that you've just talked about uh, multiple choice and essays and things like that but could you give any specific examples from institutions that you've worked with of things that you can do with digital assessment that would really be completely impossible on paper yeah and there's, there's two levels to that there's as simon was describing there's innovating and adapting questions that already exist on paper um, so things like the, the multiple choice, perhaps there'd be multiple choice on paper just because that was the easiest way to do it or the quickest, but multiple choices can be displayed in a lot of other ways. It could be a drop down. It could be a sort of a matching and pairing, a drag and drop. You're still measuring the same thing, but it instantly makes things more interactive or engaging. You can, you can put in your images there. You can break up the test so it's not just thousands and thousands of multiple choice questions but have that variety. Um, but then there's examples of things that just wouldn't work on paper at all, really. I mean, we have uh, coding question types and programming and you can actually run code in real time and you can embed um, other tools, kind of third-party tools if you want to uh, use spreadsheets then whitelist a tool that can run a spreadsheet. And it's just going to be so much quicker than it would be to be doing things on paper. So, yeah, it definitely gives you a much broader range. And it's also more 
applicable to the real world. You know, that's sort of one of the obvious points that comes back to e-assessment, but uh, the writing the essay is such a exam-specific uh, event these days, um, whereas you're gonna spend the rest of your life writing things on screen, so the, the question should be on screen too. And actually, one thing that Matthew touched on there, which is bang on, is because traditionally the, the options haven't been that wide on paper, because you've also got to look realistically how are you going to mark things. It is, it is a machine to actually both, as, as in a, a wider administrative machine, to set exams and then have people to mark them, that you, it may have been that the best potential option were things like your multiple response or multiple choice and the like. But to ask the question, pedagogically, is that the best way to actually test that knowledge and the best way to demonstrate knowledge on what you're testing? And I think that's where digital assessment, again, takes that leap where instead of just thinking, well, this is how we've always assessed that, you can now look at the full toolkit available and go, well, hang on. Yeah, although I can recreate it as a multiple choice or essay type question, or even, you know, drawing, physically drawing uh, lines between things, ask, what are you actually trying to test here? Because you don't have to think what's going to be the easiest thing to mark on mass and in bulk. Absolutely. And you can add much more complex scoring in. Yeah. And again, because it will be instantaneous, so you can add those thresholds and conversions and mapping and start assessing less one-to-one and more starting to assess different skills and learning criteria and objectives. Um, so, yeah, I think it gives you that, that breadth and depth. And, of course, you can still see all of that as a, as a teacher or an academic doing the marking. You can get those reports up. So you, can, you can still gain that information, that insight to how your students have performed, but you don't have to spend as much time going through the, the manual some quite laborious processes In, and, and one thing having done it myself is that trying to randomize things yourself when you are using physical tests is exhausting like if you're trying to author uh questions and you're thinking i can't make everything you know um all a or all one or whatever whereas when you're using a digital thing randomization is usually built into it so you can just go, well, well, I'm authoring everything. The correct response will go in here and then all the detractors can then follow as opposed to thinking, oh, how, how do I appear random? Which you can't because humans are rubbish at that because by the very nature we, yeah, kind of compensate. So little things actually make the task a lot easier because you, you can discount worrying about certain areas in the past you did, did have to think about because, yeah. Computers weren't doing it. They can be quite good at times. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, sometimes they can be. Yeah, so digital assessment allows more sophisticated question types, perhaps uh, perhaps uses of different software, things like that, um, that make the exam more, uh, more, more pedagogically relevant, I suppose. And you kind of touched on the fact that they can also speed up the marking process. And uh, I'm, I'm curious about that. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate on that a little bit. Yep, sure. And I can start perhaps. And there's just sort of the obvious benefits. And perhaps those are some of the initial drivers. Uh, getting rid of all of that paper, of course, helps save on those transportation and storage of the, the question papers. Um, the, 
marking suddenly becomes a lot faster because those question papers can be instantly delivered to the, the screen of the marker rather than collected in and posted across. So I think that's where a lot of people start because that's the, sort of the most obvious cost and the most obvious time-saving benefit. Um, but then there are further benefits as well. Um, and I think one of the, the keys there is being able to reuse a lot of that content. So you might have to front load the work a little bit, the digitization process, the majority of the work comes at the start when you're moving and transitioning across from paper-based or other systems, getting the system set up. But once you're there and you have your, your template set up and your questions authored, you can reuse those questions again and again and again. You might tweak them slightly, you might change the, the content, but all of the automatic marking and the thresholds and the um, criteria are all there ready and waiting to be used again and again. Um, and I think, again, that's kind of one of the, the long-term benefits. If we kind of come back to what we mentioned at the start, looking at the long-term, yes, you'll have to do more work at the start, but that will pay off in the long run. To carry on from what Matthew said is that one, one thing to people shouldn't kid themselves is that there is still work involved to move stuff online and like I'm, I'm just thinking one thing within the Inspira platform that we do in terms of grading is that you can uh, let's say we have a situation where I'm going to allocate out x amount of students to say uh, however many graders and say okay grader one you're going to look after these students grader two you're going to look after these we might even do question specific allocation now at a quick glance, it might be like, oh, you know, you've got to set all of that up in the system. That seems a bit messy. But a lot of these tasks already exist somewhere within the workflow already. Now, whether that is people sending emails to each other, picking up the phone and going, hey, Dave, can you do question one for me? And I'll do two. And it being all over the place. And what moving stuff digitally does is often it really highlights already poor processes or things that are quite flimsy already and it really kind of funnels it down so it's not some magical thing where you go digital and go wow i have so much time left over now because the computer machines do it all for me but it does really formalize those processes and having been at a couple of institutions myself educational ones that is that Often when you do move things to a more digitized system, it just highlights slightly dubious processes. And that can be a good thing. Yeah, that's an interesting point, because I think when you put everything into one system, it makes it clear how many moving pieces, I suppose, there are. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's not like those pieces didn't exist. Maybe your committees already existed in the forms of many, many emails or spreadsheets yeah. or, um, and so it, yeah, it can seem when you put them all in one place that there's way more than there was, but actually before it was all just very scattered. Yeah. And to, to be slightly cynical here, often when you do get pushback, when it does come to kind of standardizing things within digital areas, it does it can come back to a little bit of empire building of people or they know they've been able to not hoodwink people, but maybe just kind of paper over some of the cracks of their own systems by it being a little bit more ethereal and mysterious. But once you actually have things in systems, 
that's when people can no longer say, oh, no, actually, it's, it's more complicated than that. You can go, well, no, Brian, it's because you never update everything fast enough. I've never worked with a Brian, which is why I chose, chose that name. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, <laughs> I don't hold a grudge. So, so certainly at the beginning of any digitization process, you're going to have this rather large piece of work about moving everything online. Yes. So presumably that's the case for every institution that you've worked with. But in the long term, would you say that uh, things then speed up and become more efficient? Yes and no. And this is where it then comes back to whichever organization is trying to do this. And it is so important to make sure the right people are involved internally with making decisions. Because I've been in enough uh, situations where it hasn't gone great because from a high level point of view, they say, yeah, it's going to be easy, but they haven't involved, say, your exams teams or those who are actually authoring questions or authoring content. You need to make sure everybody is involved and understand how their their process and their pieces fit within the greater puzzle, if we're going to continue that analogy. And so, yeah, pr provided you do that and communication, which I think is for every organization, the most important thing, provided that is sorted out and people are transparent with what they both expect, but also what they need, absolutely, you will reap the benefits. But when, yeah, when people start going, yeah, yeah, that'll work. And if you were to say to them, okay, specifically, how will that work? Don't, don't worry, we'll worry about that later. That's when things will fall down. When moving on to a digital platform, it might not get off to a good start. And then people start blaming the platform and say, oh, the software that we were using was terrible, or this system is rubbish, when in actual fact, it was the implementation. And then for you to then change and go, oh, we're going to try a different system, that'll be so much better. It's not. It's like being a 10 times divorcee and saying, God, why is everybody wrong? It's like, maybe, maybe it's you, buddy. So, yeah, you need to make sure that, yeah, it's a huge project. No one is suggesting it's, an, it's a quick thing to do, but it, it can be massively beneficial provided the planning is there to begin with. Absolutely. And it could be quick if it was just you, if you were the only person in your project team and you were just mm. running the exams by yourself. But as soon as you start bringing in all those moving parts, I completely agree, all those different uh, people from different faculties and different areas and departments, you need to get that team together from the very beginning and gather those user stories and plan what are you trying to achieve? Why are you digitizing? What's the end goal? And have something to work towards. And it won't come overnight. As you said, it's, it's going to be a process that will take time to iterate and adapt and it's that perfect opportunity to sit down and as you're saying, Simon, and evaluate how have we done things in the past? Why have we done it that way? Have we done it because it was the optimal solution or have we done it just because that's the way things were, were always done or that's the way the sort of plan had evolved slowly over time? Um, and absolutely, you can use the software and the software is perhaps 50% of the, the battle, but you need to understand how to use the software and how to use the software to achieve what your goals are. So we're just the, the tool, the platform to help you achieve that. We're not the complete solution. And we work with customers and we don't normally just hand over uh, access to Inspira and leave customers to it. We, we have 
project teams from our side and we have status meetings and we work together um, to help figure out and adjust and get to that end goal. Because that's also why the piloting works so well, is that, you know, we have had um, thinking like schools, universities, where it will start with just one faculty piloting the, the new system because the le- it's much better to have lessons learned with a smaller yeah, cohort of people. And then they can then say, hey, yeah, other faculty, this is what we've learned from our mistakes. So I think that that's a, a better way as well of slowly rolling things out instead of having one person saying, absolutely, we have three months and it will be perfect. And we're going to do it at the start of the academic year because yeah, you just... You, you're really putting a lot of uh, weight on your own confidence there. Absolutely. And I guess if we were talking about how things have changed, um, just because the assessment has become so much more the norm in the last couple of years, there's yeah. so many other people to to look to and learn from their projects. So schools, universities have been doing this now really successfully and they will have learned the hard way. So there's always the benefits there to that sort of community and that forum and talking to those other universities who have done things and seeing what were their goals and how successfully did they achieve them and what would they have done differently in the future. Um, Obviously, it will just get better and better and more and more successful as time goes by, um, as it becomes more and more the norm. Hmm. So that that was one of the questions I was going to ask, actually. It sounds like for the implementation to be successful both in the short term and the long term there needs to be good communication within the institution but it's also not a bad idea to learn from best practices and uh, kind of trial and error of other institutions who've been there before. I'm wondering if you have any examples of when well let's start with the the internal communication any examples of how you could set this up and obviously every institution is different and some institutions are much larger than others have different needs different kinds of student bodies etc so it's never going to be the same for everyone but do you have any examples of how that internal communication and rollout has been set up really well so that um so that everything's been clear from the beginning and everybody knows what to expect from digital assessment I think one thing I've started to notice in the past year or so, which never really used to see in the past, and I'm not sure why, but I'm really glad it is now, is the involvement of students from the start. Um, So rather than purely thinking about how this will benefit uh, the admin processes and the marking processes, of course, at the end of the day, all of this is the exam exists for the students. And suddenly we're starting to see representatives from students' unions and similar attending meetings with us. They're part of procurement processes. They're much more involved in the the pilot in terms of gathering feedback and getting their opinion. And I think that's really encouraging, as I said, that suddenly we're starting to make sure every user, every sort of different area is being consulted and considered when implementing a digital assessment platform. So of course there are efficiencies to be gained for staff, but that's just one one side of the coin. Um, And it's really great hearing the thoughts and feedback of the students. And we've started trying to use that feedback more and more in the way we design the products because they are the end users. And however much we 
test the platform. We have some students who use uh, Inspira and throughout their whole educational life. We have some countries where it's used in primary, secondary schools, universities, further education. So those students are using the platform for so many years, they've become very familiar with it. And they've got arguably the most valuable insights and opinions um, in the way we develop the platform, but in the way that um, schools and universities use the platform as well. What kind of question types do they like, which work best for them? So I think that's, yeah, the student feedback feeds back into every other aspect of the e-assessment implementation. Absolutely. And actually, we have been doing a lot of work recently on student satisfaction and their experiences with digital assessment. And uh, we sent out a survey to students at some of our institutions. And it was great to see that most of them felt comfortable with digital assessment and preferred it over pen and paper for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the big things was was flexibility of location and maybe being able to use your own device. They also, they can type faster now than they can handwrite. That's pretty normal, right? We do almost all of our work on the computer and not. Mm. Uh, in, in daily life, I think I probably maybe write a shopping list by hand, birthday card, but nothing longer than that anymore. And that's that's going to continue for everyone. And actually, students really value the environmental factor of this as well. So institutions are using a lot less paper. The energy um, taken by a laptop to complete a two-hour exam is much, much less than the energy that uh, for producing, delivering, printing, uh, sending back sheets of paper. And travelling to exam centres. Yeah, absolutely. So even if students need to still go to a centre to, to sit their assessment, um, the graders can do it from home. They don't need to go anywhere and they don't need to have things shipped to them. So however you do it, I think there's definitely savings in terms of the environment there. One of the things for students who didn't feel comfortable with digital assessment was that they they said they didn't feel comfortable with digital tools. And so that seems to suggest to me that it's that they are not sure how to use them. They haven't had very much training. They feel worried about exactly how it works. And I think what you were saying about including students, making sure that they understand how to use it, that they've been involved. I think that's going to do a lot to kind of eliminate that that fear, I suppose, of, of these new tools. And that's another really big part of the, the work that's needed at the start um, is we have lots of guides and information for students, but they're always better when they're tailored specifically by the, the test centre or the university to describe their specific exams. And we'll provide all that information to our customers who then can create those personalized guides and videos or maybe even training or drop-in sessions to give students all of the information and the practice they need to calm those nerves. So hopefully when it comes to the day of that exam, um, they can focus on the exam rather than the the software. Um, And that's something that we've always seen, but perhaps is again coming more and more to the forefront as everything has gone more online and digital. There's been some really innovative ways that some of the customers I work with have helped um, put students at ease through demo tests and practice tests and they put a lot of time and effort into them, but it really, it pays off 
in the long run if you create engaging questions and fun questions and really showcase the benefits rather than just leaving it as this black box to be feared that only appears on the day of the exam. Yeah, I, th I think that says more about whoever is using this new technology that if, if they haven't made the students comfortable in using it, then there's clearly been a bit of a failure along the way because that's not the, the purpose of an exam isn't to say, right, you've got to tell us all about, you know, Hadrian's rule, but also you need to learn this software on the fly. You've got two hours, start now. So, yeah, yeah that, that's... That's like starting a pen and paper exam and locking the pen up with a Rubik's cube and going, good luck. <laughs> and then, yeah. So you're right. It's like a double exam if you don't know how to use the software that you're going to be using. To an extent, it's the same with academic staff who are new to this, this software as well. I think especially in the past year where maybe things have had to go online very quickly, there's a feeling of uncertainty about how to use the software, how to make the most of it, especially like you were saying, yes, you could just uh, scan in a PDF and, and put it on online. It, is that a truly digitalized exam? No, not really. Mm. Um, but people who are creating exams also need some training on how to, not just how to use, but how to make the most and, and really see the results they want from this software. Absolutely. And I was coming back to a previous point I mentioned in terms of the if people are dissatisfied, they'll then start blaming the platform. If the training aspect of, you know, the internal training isn't done properly, the amount of time and money that you as an institution will waste because it will start breeding resentment for a platform when that is not the problem. And then a couple of years later, you'll then start going, okay, we need to start looking for a new platform. And I can guarantee you will then move to a new platform. You will have poor training all over again. And then three years later, you'll be out there looking again. So it is so important. And that's what I mean. I know with, with our onboarding, you know, we, we want customers to be happy. But irrespective of who people use for their different parts of online education, it is so important to hold the hands of everyone and, yeah, kind of learn together and make sure people are using it both efficiently and correctly and understand what people's needs are. Otherwise, because, yeah, we're not going to go backwards. It's not a case where they're going to say, you know, let's go back to pen and paper and giant books. So, yeah, get on board and make sure the training's done correctly and it's being used efficiently. I think it's sometimes a misconception that staff or administration don't want to use these new tools. As a teacher, I was often given a new tool that I just had to use very quickly. And yes, perhaps once I'd got it up and running, then it would have saved me some time. But I wasn't given enough time yeah. to get it up and running. And therefore, you, you either don't use it because it's it's really stressful to try and pack that into your already really full schedule or you kind of use it a bit but it's it's frustrating and like yeah you 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 breed this kind of frustration and, and resentment about these tools that kind of can sometimes just be thrown at academic staff and um yeah without the time and and the kind of training that people need to be able to use it properly or, or you or they do the kind of train the trainer um, approach, which is great 
provided it's done correctly, where you go, okay, I'm going to use my fake name, Brian, again. We go, okay, Brian's going to train everyone, but then everyone just relies on Brian to do everything. Brian then gets sad, he resigns, and suddenly you have no expert and no one remembers why things were set up the way that they were, and then it all starts to fall down. And you do need to say, when yeah, using these new platforms, say to people, okay, this is here to stay, and everyone needs to not become an expert, but be self-sufficient because everyone has with things like email and the like. So if you have to do it with VLEs or assessment platforms or whatever, it's, yeah, it's now part of the landscape. And it can be done in stages as well. We're talking about the long term. You won't become an expert overnight, mm. but you can quite quickly get up and running with maybe a quick multiple choice tests, for example. So, so start with the basics and then add on layers as you go and have, top up training or refresher courses or perhaps experiment with a new feature um, again sort of watch how things go um, and it's the same with any other platform i photoshop is an incredibly powerful tool but it's not like overnight i could suddenly uh, be editing world-class photos it will mm. will take some time to to learn all the different features that are out there are we coming towards the end now but i i suppose uh, to kind of sum all of that up in the long term, digital assessment in particular can allow you to create exams or tests or assessments that are more authentic, that do much more than what you can do with pen and paper. And they can they can help to speed up some of your processes, possibly if you've got everybody on board. But it's vitally important that you have this effective implementation stage where everyone, students, academics, administration staff, senior leaders are on board and fully committed to giving this the time and resources that it needs to be able to to work successfully. And also consulted. I, I think one, it, my advice to anybody implementing any kind of new online technology, and we, we'll use yeah, digital assessment, given that's what we're talking about, but speak to those in your exams teams who actually organize the exams. Speak to those people who are actually authoring the tests. It's not enough just to go to whoever is the manager of that area and say, will this be easier? Because unless that person has had that role themselves where they have worked at the coalface, it's all theoretical what they're saying. And it's amazing when you actually speak to the people who are the ones who will be using the technology, they might say, well, no, you think this is the bottleneck, but in actual fact, it's this. You know, this is the area that we really need to focus on to improve things. So, yeah, I, I, I always shudder when it's a case of, oh, you know, two people made the decision for an entire institution. And you're like, no, no. I mean, by all means, you don't open it up to 150 people because then no one gives an opinion. But it's really important to have stakeholders and not just department heads get people involved who are doing the actual work trust me <laughs> and and with all that information you can start prioritizing as well what's a must have what's a what's mm. a nice to have what's a should have and yeah with a, a small sample set that could be quite skewed if you get enough data in there enough voices and opinions um correctly handled, then you can get the, the right scale of priorities. Well, one example that is burned into my brain, going back to what Matthew said about your student feedback, is at my last job, we were launching a mobile app to help students study on the go. 
and I was Mr. Opinions going, I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good. And then the uh, UX designer was like, well, no, all the students disagree with you, Simon. And he was able to produce all of this <laughs> evidence of students saying that my opinion was rubbish. And I just went, oh, good point, actually. And then I learned sometimes I need to shut my face because I'm not the person who it relates to. And yeah, that's what's so important to make sure you actually get it from the horse's mouth, not that students are horses. Absolutely. Uh, so a final question to you both before we wrap up. Again, it's pretty bored, but you could you could take this wherever you like. We've seen digital assessment evolve in the past five years, especially in the past year. Um, but in the next in the next few years, how do you see assessment changing or evolving? And I'll shoot that to Matthew first. Yep, good question, and it's it's very broad and you know hard to predict in a way, but I think seeing how the trends of education have gone things have become much more sort of diverse already um it's no longer just essays in the exam hall two hours there's already so many more forms of assessments out there and i think that will continue as uh, technology develops and more options become available and the people creating assessments start to learn all of these different tools and possibilities out there that we mentioned using them combined with their, their really broad range of knowledge that they have about their, their subject and the pedagogy and the, their students. Um, so yeah, if we think about the pandemic, that's already allowed locations to change, times of assessments to change. And you don't all have to sit that assessment at the same time anymore because you can make personalized assessments. You can examine the difficulty of your questions to create personalized exam papers. Um, and you can also use that to help prevent cheating. If everyone's receiving different questions, then you can't all start sharing the answers. So I guess possibly, and maybe I'm being too hopeful, you might have enough of a barrier to make cheating so difficult or not worthwhile that students will invest their effort into trying to pass the tests rather than uh, trying to cheat the system. I think that's a really interesting point and I would definitely like to see that happening too so that a student can take an exam and feel like they're really being assessed on what they've learned and that it's relevant and personal to them. And of course, if your neighbour has a different exam or your friend has a different exam, there's no way that you can collaborate or, or cheat or maybe that's part of the exam that they are working together on a wider project as you might do in the workplace or something like that. And so we're seeing that a little bit with things like adaptive testing um, and peer work in exams, but I would love to see that progress too. And Simon, how about you? What would you like to see going forwards? I, I would say very, very similar to what Matthew said, is that I think it's going to take time because uh, a, a lot of stuff has moved onto online assessment out of necessity. And I can, I'm, like, no one's, a lot, a lot of institutions haven't had a chance to sit down and go, how can we revolutionize everything? Because they've got more pressing concerns. But I think over the coming years, as more people within it, in, it, in each institution are able to, you know, take a small break, have a look around and go, hang on, there's got to be a better way of actually utilizing this new technology to do assessments. 
that that that's what's going to start changing the landscape. And then even if you have places that aren't ready for that, and they're like, no, it has to be a three-hour exam where you answer three essays. As other places catch up, then it's almost like you won't have a choice. You'll have to move with the times because it is a competitive market. And people will go, actually, no, look at that. Be- because technology has opened up so many more opportunities and ways of testing stuff and really are essay writing exams the best way of testing knowledge or can we use this other toolkit that's available for us i think that's where it's really going to change and and, and it's not going to happen super quickly but i think that's where it's heading as people get out of that headspace of what they've currently been constrained in terms of opportunities. And now it's like, not that I'm saying anything is possible, but there's a lot more uh, variation there now. Definitely. And I think that's a really nice way to wrap up this episode about the long term of digital assessment, because as these tools become more mainstream and as institutions get more used to using them and more experimental we're going to see even more opportunities and different ways to assess students going forwards. So thank you both so much for joining me today. Um, I've really enjoyed this chat and I hope that everyone who's listening has enjoyed it too. If you would like to subscribe, please do. We are everywhere where you usually get your podcasts. In the next episode, we will be looking back to one of our discussion sessions from this year's Digital Examinations Forum where we talked with a number of academics, digital assessment experts and a student as well about their experience with proctoring and online assessment. So if you would like to hear more about that, please do join us next time.